Rough Trade are giving away a free album exclusively to 101 part-time jobs listeners. That's you. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade album of the month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with exclusive bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code 101POD this March and you'll get the Rough Trade Album of the Month exclusive pressing of Masterpiece's debut, How to Make a Masterpiece, on green and yellow swell vinyl, completely free of charge. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store, and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. Don't want Album of the Month, but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using 101Pod and you'll still get the first month free. So don't hang around. This offer is only available in March and limited to the first 150 signups. Go to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the voucher code 101Pod. That's 101POD and claim your first month free. This offer is available to UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about how they operate and their attitude towards making their music. On today's episode, I've got Margaret Glasby, whose new record, Echo the Diamond, comes out next Friday. When I heard the track, Acts Natural, I thought, yes, this is a bit of me, this. She's got two records out, uh, the one before this new one being called Devotion, and she's got such a great style. It's pretty folk-rocky, it's got some twang 
to it. Um, it's got some real nice melodies to it. So that is all stuff that makes me excited. She's on tour in the UK next month, supporting Half Moon Run, um, and then doing one headline show at Omira in London on the 20th of September. So that's your chance to see her, if you're in England anyway. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I do episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and it's always a good mix of characters. So cheers for listening, and make sure you subscribe to hear about episodes first. On with the show. Here's Margaret Glassby on 101 Part-Time Jobs. After my, I made my first record, I toured a lot. I was really on the road a lot for my first record. So it was about two or three years of constant transit and working. It was my first time really being a working musician, full-time working musician. Yeah. And then after that, I made, well, I made a couple of EPs and I was still grinding on the road, still doing it. And then when Devotion happened... My second record, um, it was just COVID times. This will be interesting. It's an interesting conversation because COVID, you know, was a real, just knocked so many musicians out. So when that happened, um, I mean, fortunately, I had also begun to teach quite a bit. Like I was fascinated with, with hanging with younger musicians and really musicians of all ages, all backgrounds, all skill levels, all the things that wanted to learn about songwriting and were interested in songwriting. And so at one point I started to teach um, and work with songwriters and kind of them finding their own voice. And then once the pandemic hit, it was kind of like really helpful because I was still able to teach and do it over zoom. I was already doing it online anyway. And I kind of had this nice, you know, thing in my back pocket to be able to do. And I enjoyed it immensely and um i was able to do that through the pandemic and that helped quite a bit um you know i was fortunate we also my husband and i were also able to receive grants and things like that that were helpful for the arts um that helped us through but uh yeah i mean artists in the pandemic it was it was it was rough <laughs> and and that being like a functional thing to do as teaching i mean it must have been amazing to hang out with people who are on their own roads of telling their own stories. I mean, that's that's the good shit, right? That's where the golden nuggets are, nuggets are because I, I often think that when you read a book and you get that very light feeling and all of a sudden you feel like you can do the thing that yesterday you felt like you couldn't do, I find that such an amazing thing that when someone tells their own story, it allows other people to tell their stories too. It was really um, profound and it's always really profound to let for a songwriter to kind of let you in and you know, let the, be vulnerable and show, show me what they're working on. And for me to be able for them to trust me, you know, and my feedback, it was, um, I, I hope to do it again, you know, at some point right now I'm a little busy, but. <laughs> do any moments from that time stick out to you? Were there any particular days or periods where you thought, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm turning a, I'm turning a corner here in my own songwriting, in, in my own attitude. From from the student's perspective? F from your perspective, but being around students. Oh, oh, I think, so. I mean, I think it's always, I think I have kind of, over time and teaching, I've kind of had a particular way of teaching. Um, in the beginning, I think I was a little more like, you know, helping the songwriter 
write their song with them, not actually, but just guiding them through that. And then now um, my songwriting lessons, you know, throughout that whole experience, they, they, they evolved over time. So I think I changed as a teacher quite a bit. Um, what does someone that wants to write songs actually need in their life? And really what they need to do is like, just write, you know, I, th- I think that that's kind of the goods. It's just like, it's the only way that I was able to do it. Like no one had told me, you know, journal in the morning or do whatever. Like it wasn't, that wasn't the, it was like just write so many songs. (laughs) This is the thing. It's a build your own path, build your own discipline. Yeah. And I think that sometimes even in something like academia, it gets a little, it gets a little funny because I think uh, just like all schooling is, there's really wonderful parts of it. And there's kind of, you know, some crookery to it at, at times. And I think that um, with schooling, academia and music, especially songwriting, it's a little funny because like songwriting has always been, you know, a, a person's pursuit that's on their own path. Certainly, mm. you know, it's not, mm. you know, Bob Dylan didn't come out <laughs> songwriting school being like but bob dylan's also a genius you know so you know what's for the rest of us (laughs) yeah and music's rebellion yeah yeah it's true there's there's quite a bit of protesting music and that's just you know part of what it is but i think that um i think that it's it is a little it's a myth to say that you're just supposed to be bob dylan overnight and it's also a myth to say that if you just do this list of things you'll be a great songwriter so it's something it's something in between of staying after it and also, you know, having, um, some kind of reason for doing it. So I think yeah. mine was always, you know, you want to talk about jobs. I've, I have had the lucky fortune of being, you know, a full-time musician for, for, you know, seven or so years now, which is great. I feel super lucky, but, um, before I was, I, uh, my main gig was nannying. I was a nanny for, um, Gosh, probably from, I'm 34 now, probably from the time I was 23 to about 27 or so. I can see that if you don't mind me saying, because you've got a very, very pleasant demeanor. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, it was, it was, that was, those are really good times. And I was, I worked with a family that I still am very close with now um, and took care of, you know, the children and it was great. Um, But it was also like a really, um, I was, God, I would, I would wake up, I would write, I would go to work and then I'd have a gig afterward, you know? So I would bring often my gear to their house with me. And then right afterward, I would go from Brooklyn to Manhattan and I would play in Manhattan and be there till like 2 a.m. And then I would (laughs) wake up the next day and just rinse over and over again. But there was something about that that was like, yeah, work a job and make music like your life depends on it and rinse and repeat, write as much as possible. And that was kind of schooling enough in a way. Um, there's also a lot of other parts of my story, but that's, you know, in my uh, kind of working days, I think that those were like some really informative times and really kind of, it was like, okay, if, if, you're, if you have a job, then what do you really want to do with music? You know, mm-hmm. if the, if the bills are paid and you kind of have that covered, then what's the artistic statement? You know, you're not doing it just to, you know, make, I don't know, just to um, get by. You're doing it because you have something to say 
you have something mm-hmm. to con- or you want something to contribute, but what is it exactly was kind of always the question for me. And I think that those times, you know, from 20 to 30 and still now, gosh, I mean, I, I'm still on the search, um, but it just looks a little different. I think from, you know, 20 to almost 30, I was really just like, yeah, I was, I was working crazy hard. Now I'm working crazy hard on other things, but. I'm a big fan of, of music journalism and something that I feel is very overlooked is that a lot of journal, music journalism doesn't, it, it looks over the facts that artists need time. And I think that probably goes to labels and, and industry wide as well, because it, it takes a long time for an artist to, to make something amazing. I'll support that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, um, during that time, I mean, when, when you're playing music and going into town, going into Manhattan to play gigs, to wake up at five or six in the morning to, 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 to work with the kids again, uh, all of a sudden, you know, when the, when the music starts, when you start feeling that confidence and potentially you're working with people around you and that team is building, all of a sudden your job becomes like a transitional period. It's like, a, okay, this is what I'm doing now, but what's next? That's quite an interesting way to live, I think. Yeah, that's true. I felt a lot of transitions in my life from that state, from like 20 to 30, where I felt like, oh yeah, this might lead to something else. And oh, now this is feeling different. This might lead to something else. And I feel like living in New York City is such an interesting, you know, it's a real canvas for these things to happen because you do find yourself in miraculous places with miraculous people at miraculous times of night. (laughs) I often think living in London or you could be in New York or any big city, you're only a sort of block away from someone who's amazing. You're someone who you massively aspire towards. Yeah, totally. And there's magical times. um, I still have them, but there's magical times throughout my life where I just went like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm in the room with so-and-so and and it really is um, wild. And I think it was really affirming to live in New York city because you do have those. I think that's the kind of the magic of New York. Um, You know, it's got lots of unmagic to it at times too, but the magic I would say is that um, you wake up and you know that your heroes are living in the same city and you know that they're, you know, where you, you don't know where they are necessarily, but they're probably pretty close. New York, like, NYC is not that big, you know, it's, it's like for as big as it seems, it's like, it's kind of a small town in a weird way and they're everywhere. People are, you know, wonderful people are everywhere. So, um, I think that's a real kind of encourager when you're, when you're young and living there, when you're any age and living there that like, wow, so-and-so is doing it, you know? Um, yeah. You know, you think about all the amazing people that have lived and live in New York City and you go like, oh, Andy Warhol, you know, existed. Mm -hmm. Yoko Ono, you know, like like all of these wonderful, legendary people. Um, And you go like, okay, I got to get my act together. (laughs) I often think when I go into Soho. I'm like, oh, who am I going to bump into today? Who am I going to see today? And it never happens if you've got that on your mind. It's when you're not expecting it. You know, I I read a lot of your interviews about devotion and it really clicks with me what you say about, well, what you said about your personality is geared towards that kind of devoted um, 
kind of way of living. It's, did you remember a time where you realized, oh yeah, I am like devoted towards music? Was there a, was that a, an overnight thing where, you know, we, I mean, I think a lot of people have that when they're a teenager, they start, they start writing a few songs. And they're like, okay, nothing makes me feel this way. When was that moment for you? I think I was kind of born that way. I think it's a, that, that mentality has kind of been applied to most things since I was pretty young, to be honest with you. Um, so whatever that was kind of on my radar, I was usually pretty all in toward and really, um, I mean, I've heard my husband say the word like maybe completist about things. Like I gotta, I gotta complete the loop and, uh, whether it's like food, you know, like if I want to make that dish, maybe I should grow the vegetables for it. And maybe I should, you know, it's like, it's like a loop. And you're not going to skimp on the ingredients. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta like figure the whole picture out all the time so yeah that is almost like a compulsive thing i think it's like it's just the way that i'm wired um and i think it's kind of as long as i can remember it's just been like that since i was young um i was really into baking when i was little and i would like i have to figure let's get the french book on the thing and let's do the you know it's like always yeah. been like that <laughs> so i think the, the devoted element is usually just devoted to whatever is on my mind at that given time. And music is the only thing that's really stayed on my mind consistently for my lifetime, you know? Everything yeah. else has kind of come and gone, but that one's stuck for sure. It's interesting when you kind of realize, oh, that thing's just been on my mind for so long. Maybe I should, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're magnetized, if, you, if, if you're drawn to so, towards something so compellingly, you know, that's, that's, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I've kind of had that as a music writer because music writers don't really get paid much anymore. I think for any music magazine, there's going to be two or three people. I'm probably just too young to have got an entry level job. And throughout all the different jobs I've had in my late twenties, I'm like, Oh no, it's still, it's still music that I got to pay attention to. It's still that kind of thing I got to focus on being a completist what's that like making records are you are you out there first thing in the morning last thing at night at the studio i mean making echo the diamond that that process has it that's such a classic question well the process of making the record but we very are, are you completist about album producing oh yeah i'd say so um i think echo the diamond is uh was a very quick record to make um and I think it was able to be that way because I wasn't like writing songs in the studio or anything like that. A lot of first takes, right? Yeah, there were a lot of first takes on that on that record, and some like rehearsal takes in there too. And um, great, yeah. So it was it was, you know, I think that sometimes even there's a there's a runner that I love. Um, she's a I love running. That's a that's a hobby of mine. And, um, I remember she's, she's recently broken quite a few, her name's Courtney DeWalter and she's recently broken quite a few records and, um, she's, she's incredible, but someone came to her and said, like, you know, I think often on interviews, people say like, God, it's just miraculous what you do. And you just, you know, it seems so easy for you. Um, and I hear her often say like, well, it's not easy. <laughs> None of it's easy, but it is, um, but you know, you can either, enjoy the process or you cannot enjoy the process during yeah. while doing something that's hard. And mm -hmm. I think um, that's really affected me because even though I, I do think sometimes I do have to like, come, you know, complete the loop, this kind of completist maybe uh, mindset. Um, I've learned that it doesn't actually, just because it has to be complete doesn't mean it has to be hard. 
Um, and so there's been times now where it's like, oh, actually, if I put the work in and, and I write a record, it will take me a long time to do maybe, but in a different way. Like, you know, maybe it's that I'm going to have to write a lot more songs for this record to find the ones that I really love, which I kind of did. I wrote more than I usually do. And then for this one, like maybe I don't have to beat myself up to pieces over every song and it's going to save me time if I don't. <laughs> so, And is a big part of that because there's going to be a, a next record because it's a continual process. Well, yeah, it's otherwise you're just spending your entire life being mean to yourself. You know, if you want to be a, a songwriter for all your days, then an artist for all your days, whatever you have to like learn like sustainable ways to make art and not just be, you know, a wreck all the time. Uh, <laughs> And so in order to be like a healthy human being, I think I found, oh, I can write a lot of songs. I can write a song right now, you know, like the dog went to the store and he bought some popcorn. That's a song, whether I like it, whether it's going to go on a record or not, it's like a different discussion, but I can Mm. write a lot of songs. I could write 40 songs today, you know, (laughs) Mm. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, like quantity is the best thing. But if I do write, you know, three songs today, one of them might be pretty good and I don't have to like sweat it. And so then I just kind of do that pretty often and I'm writing quite a, quite a few songs and I'm not sweating it. Then all of a sudden I've got like 30 or 40 songs that I didn't have to really like, I was able to write pretty quickly because I wasn't being mean to myself all the time. And then after that, it's like, okay, now pick your favorites pick the best musicians you could possibly find and you kind of can't lose, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I think a lot of it about it is like not necessarily uh, for me in my journey of songwriting has not been about like being a completist in a way that's like, okay, just go super hard on yourself, wake up the earliest and go to bed the latest. It's more like, just like go easy, (laughs) be nice, you know, be nice and show yourself some love. And I want to songwrite more you know, in those conditions. I don't, I don't really want to songwrite more when, you know, the the stakes are so high that I can't, (laughs) there's no way I can win, you know? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What hundred one part-time jobs? 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 I mean, when you're writing lyrics for this, is there a specific place that you you go to? Is there a, spe- a specific room that you're in? Are you a voice notes kind of person? What is your what is your act natural place for writing lyrics? Sorry, that was awful. No, no, I love it. Um, I think that usually it's. I mean, I, yeah, I use my my voice voice memos app all the time. Um, it's not really specific to any place. It's not specific to any. You know. Uh, I, I sit down for 15 minutes with a guitar and I write, I just make up a song <laughs> Yeah, it is the process. <laughs> There's really not anything else going on. Um, I mean, I've had a wonderfully, uh, 
varied background of music and I've gone through a lot of different musical phases in my life and I think that's contributed to what I do. I've had wonderful mm-hmm. teachers in my life that have contributed to what I do. But when it comes down to it now, um, yeah, I really, I've, I'll put the voice memos thing on and then I play and usually it's about for 15 minutes. And that usually means that, you know, if I look up, I'm basically just acting like I know the song I'm about to play, but I've never played it or I've never heard it before. Brilliant. <laughs> it's like, make it sound like a song immediately. And I think when you're in that headspace, it's kind of cool because things happen a little quicker, you know, like the, the, the stakes feel a little more interesting because you go like, oh, wow, like a song that you would want to put on a record, you're just going to just play it now, you know? You've got a bit of an open mic kind of feel. Yeah, kind of. It's like your own open mic, which is kind of yeah. fun. Um, but then it's like, it's for me, it's going to last 15 minutes. So it's a really long song. But usually it's like, I'll find my way in and out of maybe two or three songs in that time. Um, or I'll just be looping something for a while. But I'll look at the, you know, the, the voice memo and it says like seven minutes. I'm like, oh man, I got a little while to go, you know? <laughs> and that's usually when the voices come in that say, you're terrible. You just, you're not doing this right. Why are you doing this? And I think that, you know, when the voices come in, it's usually when you're onto something good, you know, and you're kind of finding some kind of cool territory. So if you can persevere, I mean, this is what I tell any songwriter that's coming to me asking me questions. It's really, this is it. (laughs) This is is the process for me, at least. Um, If you can sit in a chair and persevere your own negative voices uh, you can write songs, you know, you can do it. Um, that's, that's the process for me. It's just sitting for 15 minutes and making up a song I'd never heard for 15 minutes straight. I've often thought during writing is that if I've felt like what I'm doing is risky, but I also can't be anyone else, you know, this is me and it feels like a bit of a risk. It almost feels like telling a joke in a social environment not knowing how it's going to go down and in the midst of telling that joke you're like I'm not I don't know but I'm going to go along with this (laughs) are you excited about coming to the UK oh yeah I'm wonderfully excited about coming to the UK it's going to be great and it's been a while so I'm thrilled to be coming back what was the last time like what what were the kind of venues you were playing what were the characters that you met like (laughs) so many characters um I don't remember what was the last venue it's been a little while uh I can't remember the last venue I played. Always wonderful characters running around. Lots of fun stories um, from shows in the UK in the past. I'm thrilled. I love playing the UK. Lots of music lovers. And um, I just, yeah, it's a wonderful feeling to be back. I love being in London too. It just feels like second home kind of vibes. Whenever I've been on tour for a really long time, you know, maybe going through Europe and you know, ending maybe in London or something like that. I'm just so excited to be back in London because it feels like kind of like a, a sister city to New York in a cool way. So I, yeah, I feel like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm, I'm, everything's okay. And- Margaret, thanks so much for, for being up for this. I'm such a fan. It's great to talk about songwriting. Great to talk about, you know, that period of time in your 20s when it's like that tension between working and between being an artist and trying to focus on that. I I really like hearing about those, you know, those stories from those tensions where you've kind of shits hit the fan a little bit and maybe you've got in trouble with not maybe your boss, but maybe you've kind of messed up in particular situations because, you know, we all know it. It's like we learn the most from our 
mistakes right which which and situations I, which situations well like at work maybe maybe you'd fuck up or maybe i never did i have to say i never did <laughs> that's very goody it's a badge of pride i i was always very that's that's actually i think was an interesting thing for me because i would show up to work and want to really be at work when i was at work it was a really interesting time because I really liked showing up to work. It was like a, a, a sweet escape in a weird way. I could show up, do the absolute best that I could, and then go and kind of rage in on the music space. You know what I mean? If I was going to be at work and be like, oh gosh, this is miserable, it would it would really kind of echo into other spaces. So then it was infectious, yeah. you know? So that was that was definitely like a thing for me. And I would say that to any, also any young person trying to like figure it out, et cetera, is that if you can show up to whatever you're doing, that is maybe not like the point for you, but you can find the kind of joy point in that job, whether it's making coffee or nannying or walking the dog or whatever it might be. Um, finding that joy point in there is really, uh, I think it's a really cool thing because you start to start to teach you how to find joy in lots of other situations. You know, you're like, I'm, I'm at the DMV right now. You know, I'm, I'm like trying to get my license renewed and I'm in a line for <laughs> 45 minutes. <laughs> find the joy point. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. life stuff, you know, for sure. And it's almost respecting yourself in a way right and that's that's a very rewarding way to live yeah 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 of course of course always always find the joy find the bliss in, in whatever situation you might be in is definitely a, a good thing to do <laughs> thanks so much margaret records out in a couple of weeks and this will go out just around then thank you so much for, for doing this interview around the time awesome thank you so much i appreciate it so there was Margaret Glassby here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Her record, Echo the Diamond, is out next Friday. And catch her on tour. She's in the UK next month, and then lots of US dates around that. So go and see if there's a date near you. I'll be back tomorrow with a new episode with Willie J. Healy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.